Hey friends, happy Thursday. Hope you're having a great day. Listen, today's podcast interview, I think you're going to like. It's insightful. It's got some good questions, um, interesting content for sure. But before we get there, I want to talk about the healthcare solutions that you're offering your team. You know that what you do on this front is critically important to not only acquire new staff, but to retain the people that you have. And you need to be thinking about our friends over at MediShare. MediShare is an affordable alternative to health insurance that allows members, that's people like you, like your church, like your team, to share one another's medical bills. They offer access to 900,000 care providers across the country. They have a 27-year proven track record. In fact, their customer satisfaction rating is 98%. That is double the industry average. Amazing. Uh, And with an average savings of about 50% over traditional insurance, MediShare is what you need to be looking about and looking at when it comes to healthcare solutions. Listen, I've been saying this to you on our podcast. I've been saying it to individuals as I've been talking to them. You should at least be considering MediShare in this season. You should be thinking about them. You should consider them. Uh, What I want you to do is go over to MediShare.com. That's M-E-D-I-S-H-A-R-E.com forward slash unseminary. Fill out your email address there and get in the queue to talk to the team. Reach out to them. They will look at what you do. They'll talk to your team. Talk to you, not talk to your team. Talk to you about your team. Figure out how much it's going to cost. But you know what? You'll find out how much you're going to save with them. Again, that's metashare.com forward slash unseminary. All right, let's jump in with today's episode. Let's go. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Uh, Every week, we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you. And this week is no exception. Super excited uh, to talk to Kevin Singer. Uh, He's part of a ministry called Neighborly Faith. It's a student-led movement that's bringing Christians and Muslims together. Uh, And I'm really excited for this conversation to learn more. Kevin is the co-founder, co-director of Neighborly Faith. He's planted two churches in the past. He's got some war wounds, uh, teaches world religion in two community colleges in Illinois. So glad that you're here, Kevin. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about Neighborly Faith? Give us kind of the overview for folks that have never heard of of your organization before. Give us that, uh, that overview. Yeah. So uh, like a lot of young people, I took my one class. In, in college uh, about world religion. Uh, and, yes. and at that point, I was a, you know, a, a, a perennial expert in, in all topics, world religion. Um, no, but, uh, you know, I took that course because I had to. And, mm-hmm. um, y- you know, and, and I think the way it was framed, I think it's still framed is like, how am I going to survive this? Right? Like, how am I going mm-hmm. to get through this class? Um, because apparently as a young Christian, I was susceptible to literally all other religions besides my own. Sure. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. And, uh, <laughs> but I mean, for real, I came in and, you know, the whole thing, you, you know, I sort of had apologetics brain at that point. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and for a lot of the things I was hearing in that class, you know, for a lot of it, I was able to say, oh, you know, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. You know, and then I'll never forget when they showed this video of, uh, the, the Hajj, which is uh, mm-hmm. the Muslim pilgrimage to Mecca, um, mm-hmm. part of the five pillars of Islam. And 
mm-hmm. you know, just seeing scenes of, 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 uh, Muslims just, just crying, um, mm. uh, with, and, and seeing that sort of an emotional response w- was a bit mm-hmm. perplexing. I think it was, mm. it wasn't, it wasn't as easy as a, well, they have works and we have Jesus, right. Which is what you right. hear all the time, which yep. is so, it's, so, you know, that's how we dismiss, you know, billions of people. And, mm. um, and I remember I took this to, to my crew. I was in crew at the time, leader and crew, which is a, a national mm-hmm. campus. Minutes. Love, love them. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, I, I give them credit, my, my discipler at the time, um, or, or someone I met with every week who just provided mm-hmm. sort of like spiritual mentorship. I said, you know, I'm really having this struggle, um, you know, because I know, you know, all the religions are, all the religions are false and, and, you know, Jesus is the only way, but I'm really struggling with the humanity of this, you know, just, Mm. um, it's easy to be like, it's easy to say those sort of isms, you know, that, that we Mm. have as Christians, but I mean, these are, these are people who clearly have like a spiritual bone in their body. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's trying to figure this out, you know, and, and, and I think at the time I remember him saying, you know, don't worry about that. You know, they, they need Jesus. (laughs) So let's just focus on on, on getting the gospel to him, you know, which is, which is true. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I think I remember feeling like, despite the fact that that's true, it still felt sort of like a deeply inadequate response to mm-hmm. you know, what is my responsibility to, to mm-hmm. these people in our community. And so, uh, as you mentioned before, I planted a couple of churches with the SBC, the Southern Baptist convention, North American mission board, um, which mm-hmm. was a good experience towards the end of my uh, North American mission board uh, funding cycle. I needed Mm -hmm. to sort of supplement my income. So I walked into the community college down the street um, because they had a new Testament course. Yeah, I could teach a new Testament, you know, and (laughs) (laughs) you know, God, everything comes full circle. You know, you're like, you never get to encounter the world religions again. Well, they said, well, you know, this, this guy, he's been teaching new Testament for the last 270 years and there's no way. (laughs) So he said, he said, why don't you teach world religion? You could do that, right? Yeah, you know, I've got my dad in my head, like you never turned down a job, right? So I'm like, yes. oh, yes, yes, of course. I know everything about world religion. I could definitely do that. I think my my spouse uh, at the time was was pregnant with our first, with our, our first. And um, I was like, yes, absolutely, I can do that. So for that first semester, I was uh, learning right along with my students. But what was most impressionable to me is just the incredible conversations I was getting in with mm. students across a number of different faiths who were learning about, for example, the Trinity from a Christian for the first time in that course. Mm. Um, and just seeing like, wow, there are some really incredible opportunities for a whole slew of people who sort of, we have Christians have said, well, if they're not atheists, then they're set. They're, you know, they're done. They're, you know, they've, they're, 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 you know, sort of programmed by these other faiths and, 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 but what I found was a lot of curiosity and interest in, in mm-hmm. Christianity. Um, and so I, uh, I started talking to some of my Christian friends, family about this, and everybody was kind of like, that, that's weird. Like, that mm. thing is weird. Like, we don't have a category for, yes. like, cross-faith. Like, like we, we know how to reach an atheist. Like, we've been talking about that for decades. But, like, right. a Muslim, like, what do we even right. do with that? You know, and yes. and really, so 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 so. A long story short was, for me, I, I recognize that there is there is very little in the church to to help equip us for how to engage with our Muslim neighbors and other faiths, so Buddhists, Hindus, etc., in a way that is both uh, com- committedly Christian, right, mm-hmm. but also, uh, you know, 
exudes the generosity and the love uh, of of our Savior and Lord, who who mm-hmm. deeply loves these people and is and mm-hmm. is seeking them as much as he's seeking anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of I think of Paul in, in Acts seventeen in, in Athens. He's like mm-hmm. the the God <laughs> who you seek is seeking you. He's here yes. and. Like there, there's just this incredible opportunity, especially as our society becomes increasingly diverse. And so right. uh, I met my colleague, Chris, who runs the, the organization with me at Wheaton. We were studying mm-hmm. theology together and mm-hmm. um, it sort of just sort of took off from there. We, we, we started a podcast where we interviewed Christians mm-hmm. who are doing this work, who, you know, mm-hmm. maybe not be on the front page of Christianity Today. Yep. Um, and eventually we started, you know, uh, raising money to engage Christian college students and sort of what does it mean to be a Christian in a society of many faiths? And and I'll leave it at that. That's sort of how Love we got it. there and why we think it's important is because our society is more diverse. There's more Muslims, Buddhists, Jews, and especially re- non-religious than ever before mm-hmm. who do not mm-hmm. have a Christian worldview. And so what it means to love our communities must now also include the question of how do we love those who have a different worldview than we do. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, I, I remember years ago hearing um, a commentator or thinker in this space saying, you know, there was a time where the kind of faith community was like an, a, a dining room table where you had, you know, on either ends, there was kind of the Protestants and Catholics, and then there was everybody else. And you knew that there were other people at the faith conversation, but it was really yes. a Protestant Catholic thing. Yes. But however, right. now we're really at a round table where um, we right. have people from a wide variety of backgrounds in our culture. I think anyone, any leader who's listening in, who's paying attention to the faith dynamics in their community have seen that. That is absolutely what is happening in all of our communities. Again, I've said in other contexts, every zip code in America is more diverse today than it was 10 years ago and will be more diverse 10 years from now than it is today. So when you, when you're coaching students, I love this. What would be some of those kind of early, uh, conversations you find yourself getting into? How are you helping? What is that kind of those, those early discussions look like as you're helping uh, students on campus think through these issues? I think number one, what we found is there are a lot of students who are passionate about Jesus and want other people to know Jesus and that we we don't Mm. feel like the, the, the purpose of our organization is to teach Christians how to love Jesus or how to share Jesus. We believe strongly that churches are already doing a really good job at this. We, we mm-hmm. we're one of those like evangelical adjacent organizations that still loves mm-hmm. evangelicalism and feels like there's a lot mm-hmm. to, to, there's a lot there. And there's a reason mm-hmm. why evangelicals are still some of the most passionate, committed, convicted, winsome, persuasive Christians mm-hmm. in our society today. We believe that what we want to see is an increase not in godliness or faithfulness to the great commission, but proximity to these people. Mm. Like what we found is, is, is we are, first of all, we're a deeply pragmatist organization. We, we do not, you know, we're, we're not up late at night digging deep into the wells of like inner religious theology and all those things. What we're interested in is how can we be sort of bridge builders between these Christian communities who are mostly Christian and the people within those communities know and are friends with mostly Mm. Christians and mm-hmm. that mosque down the street, like, like mm-hmm. who is gonna, who is gonna make that invitation and who is mm-hmm. going to, so for us, it's an issue of, we know you love Jesus. It's obvious. Like you just spent X number of dollars and flew X number of miles, for example, to be at this conference. Yep. But the question is, you know, how can you get in the city? Because in the same room, because you can't actually change hearts if you're not in relationship. And, yep. and here's the thing that used to, 
make a lot more sense than it does now in our increasingly depersonalized and digital mm. society where the idea of like slowly building relationship and trust is just not part of our repertoire anymore. Like, like we, like we're much more attuned, I think to this like hit and run gospel stuff than we are now to this like patient, slow, like I just, I don't just know Muhammad for an hour. I know Muhammad for a month or I know Muhammad for mm. six months or I know I've known mm. Muhammad's family for a year. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, the mm-hmm. only way Muhammad, which happens to be the most popular name in the world, by the way, so I'm not just mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I'm not just yes. coining that. I'm saying a lot of Muslim men are named Muhammad, but like yeah. Muhammad is not going to become a Christian uh, uh, if you are not in their life. And mm-hmm. and here's the thing: I think for a lot of us Christians, we've been discipled when it comes to interfaith ministry. I really don't like that word, and we can discuss that later. But like, mm-hmm. we have been discipled into the space as like maybe God will give them a dream, and mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like we, and that is pretty much mm-hmm. the extent of our theology of other faiths. Is like, right, right. Well, right. I can't. There's no way I'm walking in that mosque, and there's no way that like I'm yes. having dinner with Muhammad. But God will send a dream. And I know I sound sarcastic and I kind of mean to be a little bit that like, <laughs> like that is wildly insufficient if we like really yeah. care about the Great Commission um, is, is and I mean, we see we see in Romans, Paul is just like, you know, how will they know if they haven't yes. heard and if no one is sent, right? Like how beautiful the feet of those who preach good news. And so for mm-hmm. us, like where we start is just the simple fact of like your community that you love includes people of other faiths and mm-hmm. you know what it means to be cross-cultural now cannot be yep. divorced from other faith traditions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like when we talk about Afghan refugees, right? We're not just mm-hmm. talking about Christians. We're talking about a lot of Muslims. So when we talk mm-hmm. about Afghan culture, right? Or the culture of immigrants coming to our country, mm-hmm. we can no longer divorce that from the five pillars of Islam and yep. So what does that mean for us to be, you know, equipped? And so, you know, some of that I think includes getting to know Islam, but we don't like telling people that you need to be an expert in Islam to reach Muslims because we have found that that's another major hangup of Christians Mm, is, mm, well, I've never read the Quran. And it's like, well, they've never read the Bible. Would you suggest yes. that they don't approach you? <laughs> you know yes. I mean? yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, without getting too deep into the weeds, you know, we really want to foster that, like, you need to be in the same room. You don't need yep. to be an expert. Um, and, you know, relationship and building trust really matters in this particular space. Love it. You know, I, one of my, when our kids were little, uh, one of the things, you know, you feel like as a parent, there's like mo- a lot of what you do, you feel like fits in the middle of the bell curve. Like, I'm not sure that was positive or negative. It, it just was. And then there's a bunch of stuff where you're like, I'm not sure that was actually helpful. And then there's a very small percentage of things you do where you're like, that actually maybe was like a momentary flash of goodness, um, which is not a lot of those. You have a few of them. I remember when our kids were little, we had at one uh, December, we, uh, with our neighbors who were Jewish and then friends yep. of ours that were uh, celebrating Kwanzaa, we had all three of our families got together and had uh, a, a great uh, kind of winter celebration. Hey, why don't you? Why don't we talk about our various traditions oh, and that's and great. and work through it? And it was actually it was fascinating because in that conversation, we as Christians got to talk about the difference between uh, our our Jewish brothers and sisters didn't uh, really get the the, the which is uh, I found shocking at the time really didn't understand the nuance between Jesus and 
Santa, that like those two things are are not really connected, that the the whole Santa tradition is not really a part of what we celebrate as Christians. It just and it was great. It was like and it was like humbling because I was like, oh, I really have no idea what I'm talking about. And so uh, so proximity, <laughs> let's talk about that. I love that. How are you? I'm sure you're talking to church leaders, and I'm sure yeah. you have like the go-to advice. Like, here's the thing that you should be doing to increase proximity. Uh, what would be some of those two or three things that you find yourself talking to church leaders consistently about increasing proximity to, uh, you know, other faith groups in their community? Well, the first thing I want to say is it's really nice to see someone accidentally put the Christ back in Christmas. And that, that's, pretty, <laughs> that's pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after all the culture wars, you were like, I'm somehow doing that despite the fact that yes. I had no intention to. Um, yes, exactly. Bad respect, exactly. bad respect for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So increasing proximity. So, so practically speaking, number one, every mosque in your community probably has an open house once a year. That's mm-hmm. a great opportunity to walk in the door, share a meal. Um, mm-hmm. uh, this is not this is not like a like a like a, 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 a Romans fourteen, you know, First Corinthians like food sacrifice to idols kind of thing. This is just yes. food that was cooked in a certain way that promotes yes. ritual cleanliness, and it's not that unlike kosher. Um, mm-hmm. And so you're Hello. not walking in, you're not walking in and sharing food that, you know, was put on an altar or whatever. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's probably the same food that you're getting from your ethnic grocery store, mm-hmm. you know, sort of down the street. Um, so I would suggest go to an open house. That's a great place to start. And then mm-hmm. I would suggest returning the favor. Would you would be willing you and your mm-hmm. families to come to mm-hmm. our church and share a meal with us? Because here's the mm-hmm. thing. If there's anything I've learned in multi-faith ministry, it's that returning the favor and inviting people to do what you're willing to do is always a great step. So like uh, just last week, uh, I was speaking at Cruz Winter Conference in Indianapolis to like hundreds mm-hmm. of college students about this, right? Mm-hmm. And what's really fascinating is one of the students said, you know, I can just, I cannot get my Muslim friend to read the Bible. He will not do it. He will not open it. And I said, what would it look like for you to actually read the Quran and tell mm. him, I'll read a little bit of the Quran. You read a little bit of the Bible, right? There's yes. just that, there's that reflexivity. There's that mutuality that promotes yep. a lot of exposure, uh, mm-hmm. not just for you to learn more about their worldview, but to them to learn more about your Christian worldview. And if we truly believe as one of my favorite theologians ever, E. Stanley Jones, uh, who mm. wrote the Christ of the Indian Road? If we truly believe that Jesus is calling, and he and he is just immensely attractive in a world of many faiths, mm-hmm. then have faith in that, and mm-hmm. but also have faith in the fact that Jesus is going to protect you spiritually if you engage with them mm-hmm. and and their mm-hmm. religious tradition. Um, I think yeah. we can say that if we truly believe that he is, um, you know, there is no name under heaven. Then I think it's mm-hmm. actually an extension of our faith, not a betrayal of our faith, to uh, engage with say the Quran for the sake of mm-hmm. inviting them to engage them with the scriptures. So mutuality, showing up to their open houses, um, working together on projects can be sort of a fertile place to go. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so I brought students from Cruz winter conference to a local mosque and we organized clothing for Afghan refugees. There was nothing Muslim mm-hmm. about that, right? Like mm-hmm. in fact, yes. we showed up, and we did that because we have theology of loving neighbor, right? So we're, yes, we're not drawing yes. on their theological resources. We're drawing on our theological resources by showing up mm-hmm. and, and organizing clothing for the least of these, right? So there's there's that cooperative piece as well. But I understand if some people out there are like, I'm not, I'm just not ready to be publicly seen cooperating with a Muslim in that way. Mm. And I would say, start small, 
you and maybe one other person in your church, maybe go to the mosque for an open house or send an email to the imam there and say, hey, we'd love to host a family or two at our home just to get to know you because you're members of our community. We want to love you and bless Mm -hmm. you in any way we can. Um, Here's the cool thing. Number one, Mm -hmm. I've never met a Muslim in the five or six years I've done this ministry that's like, no, absolutely not. It's always the opposite. It's always, we're so excited you reached out. We want Mm -hmm. to get to know you. Love it. And, and, and the number one thing most people need to hear is most Muslims in your community have either never met a Christian or have never learned about Christianity from a Christian. So you right. would be likely the first person to preach <laughs> the gospel or speak the gospel in a Christian way, not in a way that's littered with, well, here's the contradictions and here's where it doesn't yes. fit with the Quran. And here's, you know, why Muhammad mm-hmm. or, or, you know, other Muslim voices have disagreed mm-hmm. with this doctrine. Like, you would actually be able to preach through the unfettered gospel of Jesus Christ. And they would be able to see mm-hmm. that embodied in the fact that you invited them over, you paid for the food, mm-hmm. you invited them in. Um, so their opportunity is so rich. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, again, these are not people who have heard the gospel a thousand times and are now deconstructing. These are people who have never heard it. And so the fruit is truly there. It's truly a fertile ministry. Mm-hmm. Love it. Now you had talked earlier about, you don't like the word interfaith. I've heard you say multi-faith. Let's talk terms. Why, why don't you like that term? This is a critical question. Okay. So, um, I obviously being in this space, there are a lot of invitations to be a part of what are typically termed interfaith groups or Mm -hmm. groups that are like, let's get one of every type of person Mm -hmm. in the room. (laughs) We'll hold hands. We'll sing a song, you know, we'll wear our our robes and our hats. And then look, we're all together mm-hmm. and we all agree kind mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. and <laughs> we, we have engaged in every kind of way. And we just continually find that it's, it's really difficult to find a space that identifies as interfaith that does not sort of subtly ask people to leave their most passionate beliefs at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Because the yeah. truth of the matter is like, we as Christians believe something that is both, incredible and mm-hmm. offensive, <laughs> right? Yes, like, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and there's a sense in which a lot of interfaith groups and you'll see them in your community. Usually there's posters and flyers where, you know, sort of every mm-hmm. symbol is, is on there mm-hmm. and they're like, Hey, mm-hmm. come on in. Um, we would certainly never tell someone like, don't be in a room with people who you disagree with. We would never say that because I mean, that's the whole point of our ministry. But what we would say is it is always a better use of your time and investment to say, Christian community, let us connect with a other faith community than it is to try to work through some like typically more mm-hmm. progressive interfaith group that, you know, mm-hmm. is, is likely not going to be super excited about the idea of you wanting to share your faith. Right. Um, right. Even though I would say they are just as persuasive in their particular worldview as we are in ours. Um, right. It's just <laughs> different. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, well, that's, I could see that. That's an interesting distinction where, I, you know, I think we've felt that tension, right? Where it's like, yeah, I want to engage. I think that's really good coaching. Like, hey, let's try to engage directly with a mosque or yes. directly with even even yes. more granularly with some neighbors or yes. with some friends rather Perfect than an that. intermediary group who is Agreed. who is essentially saying, hey, friends, if we could just all believe a third thing, which actually isn't what you believe or isn't what our Muslim friends believe, it's it's a third thing, which is, Perfectly said. hey, we some yes. all, somehow all of us are, are kind of in this weird middle ground. I love that. That's, uh, that's great. Stated. You said better than so, I could, actually. 
No, that's great. Uh, that's uh, I think that's I was a great insight on your on your side there. So now it, let's say I'm sure there's church leaders that are listening in that as a person, like as an individual, they would say yes. They, there's something in their spirit that would say yes. This is a yeah. great thing. I should do this. But then quickly in behind, and maybe it's just me that's saying that. Quickly in behind, there's the like, ooh, if I take steps as a leader in this direction, it's yeah. going to look like. A whatever I'm becoming more liberal. Totally. Um, whatever they're, they, they, they totally. different churches have different problems with that. Yes, is it possible? I love what on your website says you can be gospel centered while still uh, having terrific, you know, neighborly relationships of friends, you know, in yes. different faith. How, how, what would you say to a leader who's feeling that kind of nerves? That's feeling that kind of ooh tension. So what we've learned in this space in this particular area is you have to name it. So like mm-hmm. instead of sort of. I'm trying to think of the word here. Instead of sort of censoring yourself in this area mm. for this for the sake of sort of Christian cultural purity, what we'd say is name it to the people who you are most worried of what they might think. Like mm. name those things. Say, look, y'all know I love Jesus more than anybody, you know? Right. But right. I'm really afraid that if y'all see me walk into this mosque, you're going to think this. But what I want mm. you to know is what I actually mean is this. There's right. really right. no, like this is one of those areas where, like vulnerability and just naming what your fears are to the people who you're you're afraid of their thought or opinion really pays off. And you'd be surprised. We get this question so often. I got this question 10 times when I spoke last week at crew is like, what are other people going to think? I'm like, tell them like, I'm afraid of what you're going to think. Will you think this if I do this? And it actually creates some great conversations about sort of the importance of engaging difference. Well, and sort of, do we even have a framework for that? And, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's, well, I don't want to draw too many hasty comparisons, but I think we all know the tension of being invited into a space where it feels like our convictions may have been compromised in order to enter that space, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a mosque or say an LGBT wedding, like we were all mm-hmm. familiar with this, like we're invited to something and we mm-hmm. just are afraid of what people are going to think. And I think the great thing is, is that we've got a lot of scriptural um, evidence for walking into spaces that are not sort of in total agreement. I mean, Paul in the synagogues, for God's yes. sake, you know, yes. like, or yes. I mean, hell, I mean, the marketplaces, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, you know, the, the Areopagus in, in, in Athens, mm-hmm. right? Like entering, like sometimes we have to pierce the darkness mm-hmm. um, to bring the light. And I think, mm-hmm. so I think there's some scriptural, credibility in saying I'm going to walk in and that doesn't mean that I'm any less Christian for doing so. I'm bringing my light, my tabernacle of Christ with me into these spaces and I Mm -hmm. expect him to show up in some big ways. Yeah. Isn't that a sad, you didn't say it, I'm saying it in my podcast. Isn't it a sad commentary on uh, our place in the kind of Christian development over the years that what was one of the core tenets of Jesus actually being with people who are being with the unclean, being with people who are perceived right. as the, not the people you should be a part of. That was actually how his ministry was known. He was That's known right. as a drunkard and a partier because right. of the people he hung out with. Yes. And isn't it a weird, here we are 2000 years later and it's like, it's flipped upside down that I, uh, you know, we're, that is a concern. Uh, that's, you know, that's, but that's a sad reality that we find ourselves uh, in for sure. So how does neighbor, faith. How do you actually engage? So I understand, I get a sense on campuses. I can get a sense of what that looks like. Do you do work with, 
you know, churches and how do you, you know, you're speaking? What does that look like? How are you actually helping people in this area? Yeah. So a lot of our work is campus centric insofar as, yep. you know, we want to essentially what we want to do is when we, we want to build into sort of the missiology of young Christians, a missiology mm -hmm. that spans, you know, religious diversity, right? So mm -hmm. because it's really in seminary and it's in college where students are like, what kind of Christian do I want to show up as in the world? Mm -hmm. They're sort of individuating wow. from their parents and they're you know receiving a lot of curriculum, sort of like how I show up in the world as a Christian for the next 50 years of my life will be shaped very strongly by what I experience on campus. And so we're, we're mm -hmm. trying to get into the recipe in a sense. Um, mm -hmm. Now where churches come in is We've had pastors speak at a lot of our events as the Christian mm -hmm. dialogue partner. Um, and so we're constantly asking pastors, like, would you be willing to get up on stage and talk to a Muslim about, I don't know, pick, pick a topic, uh, you know, uh, you know, what is, what does it mean to suffer well? Or like, what does mm -hmm. it mean to, um, you know, what's the purpose of prayer or kind of topics that both people can sort of present their unique perspective on as a Christian, as a Muslim. Um, again, this is, you know, I, E. Stanley Jones, one of my, you know, heroes, he, he wrote a, a book called, you know, Jesus at the round table. And a lot of it mm -hmm. sort of was this, like, you know, when you present the Christian experience with other mm -hmm. experiences for some people in that crowd, they could say there's something unique about that experience, that Christian experience mm -hmm. of suffering mm -hmm. or faith or struggle or, and so we've had, we've asked pastors to be part of those conversations. We've had churches host um, our, our students and, and Muslim community members for events. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got church partners who and pastors who encourage us and mentor us in our work, um, but but the the large uh, emphasis is sort of bringing Christian students to these conversations and connecting them with hopefully Muslim students, but sometimes it's it's Muslims in the community who may not necessarily be students. So that's that's where a lot of our our interests are. Um, we also have run a fellows program where we sort of coach students and equip students and resource students to do this work with their churches. And so one of our, our, our fellows, Carissa, a few years ago, she, you know, used our coaching and our resources and she brought her church to visit a mosque that year, mm -hmm. wrote about it for a bunch of different platforms online. And it was just incredible sort of the, the amazing conversations that were had mm -hmm. as a result of that mosque visit. And she went to, you know, a very, 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 very conservative church. I mean, it was, mm -hmm. again, there was a lot of naming, you know, this is what we're mm -hmm. doing. This is not what we're doing. This is what we're saying. Mm -hmm. This is not what we're saying. And we helped her to sort of frame that so that the elders of this very, very conservative rural church were like, sure, that makes sense to us. We can do that. Right. right. And, and yeah. it was great. So those are some of the different ways we've, we've worked in and through and within churches in our work. Love it. That's good. I do want to give people contact information so they can get in touch sure. with you, but anything else you want to share just as we kind of wrap up today's episode? Yeah. So there's one more thing that I like to share, especially, you know, with, with, with more moderate to conservative Christian audiences is that mm -hmm. our work is not an endorsement of like the best possible sugarcoated version of Islam. Like we don't, mm. we don't actually feel like we have to say Islam is great in some way to do this work. Um, mm. Sometimes there can be confusion. Like, well, it seems like these guys have bought into this idea that Islam is actually not what everybody you know, or, or what some people say it is. I mean, mm. we, I mean, we are still thinking convicted, thoughtful, prayerful people that like, yeah, like we do uh, see issues within the Quran. We do see, 
you know, uh, uh, things within the Muslim faith that could, if, you know, thought through and identified a certain way, lend themselves to violence. Like, like these are things that we see. And, but for us, the question is not, is Islam here to, you know, subvert our society and destroy us? It's, are these people who God has called us to love, can we be a test of a testament to Christ in their lives? That is our, our emphasis, but it is not to the dismissal or the ignoring of very real and legitimate concerns about certain aspects of the Muslim faith. And I think it's important that I say that, that you don't have to sacrifice any skepticism or suspicion that you have to decide to maybe suspend some of those suspicions and fears in order to be a witness in their life, in the life mm-hmm. of someone who's never heard the gospel. And mm-hmm. I think it's always important for me to say that for, for those people who are like, I just, I can't get past that. Here's the thing you don't have to, but what you do sure. need to get past of is your fear. Um, because we were not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, right. And, and a spirit of power. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. can, we can, we can exercise that in the lives of Muslim neighbors. Kevin, this has been so good. So helpful. This is just the top of the very tippy top of the, the, the uh, iceberg that we've touched on here. And I'd love to encourage people to get connected with you. So your website is neighborlyfaith.org. Where else do we want to send them online to get plugged in uh, to connect with you? Yeah. So we are on all social media platforms. You'll find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook uh, at Neighborly Faith. It's pretty easy to find Mm us. Um, Mm -hmm. If you are a a pastor out there or a ministry leader or a church planter Mm -hmm. who is just like, this sounds great. Like, I think it would actually be really good for our people to hang out with some Muslims this year. Like, send me an email. I'd love to just have a conversation with you and just say, mm-hmm. how can we help? How can I encourage you, support you? Love it. Um, we, we do have some funds to help with bringing Christians and Muslims together. And so if you're if cost is prohibitive for you, we'd love to be in conversation. Love it. And, and why don't we give us your email? We'll put it in the show notes too, but why don't we give it just so people hear it in their, in their ears too? Sure. It's kevin at neighborlyfaith.org. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, Kevin. I appreciate you being here. Excited to hear and track with what, uh, you know, as your ministry grows and impacts more people in the future. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. This was great, great questions and and, uh, look forward to continuing to follow the podcast as well. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.